Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. And today's episode is going to be all about how to leverage your nine to five skills to launch your own business. And we're going to be talking to Lisette Calvedo. She is a digital consultant, creator, and business coach over at lisettecalvedo.com. And she's going to talk to us about how she took her eight years of experience in PR and digital marketing and created her own brand and business where now she is serving as a digital strategist, a content creator, and an influencer marketing coach. I can't wait to get into this conversation with Lisette. Lisette is a Miami native and New York City transplant working in the heart of the city as a digital strategist, content creator, and business coach. An established influencer and content creator for more than four years, her digital channel focuses on money, business, and influencer marketing advice with a pinch of her lifestyle recommendations and global finds. She has a strong pulse on the millennial and Gen Z community. Lizette was previously director of influencer marketing at Ogilvy and has more than eight years of experience in PR and digital marketing, working across global and Fortune 500 brands in different genres. Her expertise is in social media, influencer marketing, digital partnerships, and earned media strategy. This conversation with Lizette was super insightful. If you've ever thought about 
what it's like to actually be an influencer, the behind the scenes, how you make money, how you work with brands, all this stuff and more. Lisette's going to be answering all your questions and more. Lisette, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to talk to you. Same here. So for the audience, I found you on Instagram. You have an amazing following and you are such a natural when it comes to like living that influencer life in a way that really like captivates people and wants them. It made me want to find out more about you. And I'm sure once people hear this interview, they're going to find out so much more about you. But why don't you go ahead and start with introducing yourself to the audience? Thank you. That's so kind. So my name is Lisette and I am a digital creator, consultant, and coach. So we can totally unpack those three identities here. But essentially, I'm also all things influencer marketing, both from the brand side, the creator side, and educating creators. Awesome. All right. So as you probably know, this podcast is called Yo Quiero Dinero, and it talks about money, but it's more than that. We talk about not only things you should be doing with your money, but entrepreneurship. And so I love that you talk about money on your platform. And I'm curious where that relationship started. What was your relationship like with money growing up? How did you first become interested in wanting to know more about how finances worked? Can you talk me through that? Yeah. So I am actually daughter of immigrants. They came to Miami about a year before I was born. And I feel like that is actually a very important part to my money story because they kind of built my money beliefs and everything that I learned about money was through them, which spoiler alert was not a lot because they didn't <laughs> understand how the American financial system works at all. So I grew up, you know, with that ethic of work, make money, work hard, work and work meant labor, right? So mm. I knew that I had to do some sort of career to make money, quotes. Um, but thankfully, my parents, like many Hispanic parents, they started off with the you must be a doctor or a lawyer. And they killed that thought when they realized that I have no interest in those things. And they <laughs> let me pursue a journalism kind of base career. Um, which eventually ended up becoming public relations. I studied that in college, and then that became my career. And I felt that while I was passionate about other things, or I was always like a young entrepreneur, I never wanted to pursue that route, because I was raised with the money you make is from the education you have. And it's this very linear mentality, right? So mm -hmm. um, when I graduated from college, I also had a lot of student loan debt because I had to pay for all of it myself, not just school, but housing and everything. And I quickly got into credit card debt. And it was also because the money beliefs that I had translated into when you have money, you give it up. So you mm -hmm. spend on things you don't need. You have no context on how to get out of debt is just kind of that's how my parents were and it translated into my young adult life and i spent the first few years out of college just racking up credit card debt um the wake-up call came in 2016 because i was moving to new york i was now about four years into my career in public relations and i was like i'm ready to go to new york this means that i won't be going on an entry-level salary which in New York, you need uh, to have a little bit more. And at that moment, I realized, you know, I started looking at my finances for the first time because I also had an avoidance. I didn't even want to look at them. I had auto pay and I knew that that was enough. I wasn't going to go into bancarrota, which my parents <laughs> went into each of them in their own phase of their life. And I just 
got shocked being like, wow, I have about $10,000 of credit card debt across different cards, which was a big problem. You know, you max out a few and then you got a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there. And then when you actually look at them together, that's a different number. And that shock and that um, kind of wake up call made me start to get more educated on my finances. So the education came from really understanding the technicalities. And I started to learn about debt and learning about paying things off. I started a savings account, which I had never had to date. And the move to New York still happened. But the move to New York became a little bit more of a of a money intentional move where I was a little bit more frugal. I had a very cheap apartment living further away. I knew that I had to really buckle up my lifestyle to pay off my loans so and to pay off my credit card debt. My formula was really just spend less, make more, clear your debt. And that worked. I definitely, I got out of credit card debt in 18 months and it was great to be debt free from credit cards, but I hadn't tackled my money limiting beliefs, which I'm sure mm. we'll do speaking here, but it was almost like a band-aid um, solution to clear out your debt. But then you had to really address the core of how I even got into the, the, the debt. And yeah. Uh, that involved me writing down what I believed about money. And then over the last few years, really chipping away what that meant. Um, particularly one of them, um, which we can get into was this idea that I needed to have a desk job that matched my degree in order to make money. And when I finally was able to let go of that belief and realize that you can make money doing whatever you're passionate about, whether that is sitting at a desk at a career you love or doing your own thing, I realized that for me, it actually was doing my own thing. And that's kind of how it led me to where I am now, being more of this solopreneur, entrepreneur, when I just felt, let that belief come in, that money can come from doing the things you're passionate about and switching to more of the abundance mindset. And long story long, that's really kind of my, my long journey. It's this shift that has happened over the last few years has been the most important because while I was able to... the do tactical things to get out of debt, I've been able to sustain a very financially healthy relationship with money. Um, I also cleared my student loans um, in March, so I am 100% debt free. And I my net worth is the biggest it's ever been because again, just the limiting beliefs were that extra factor that I was missing. Oh my gosh, I love your story so much. And I can relate to so many aspects of this. So let's break down some of the stuff you talked yeah. about. Um, the first one was this limiting belief, like you called it, which it literally is, is just like, well, I went to school for this. So I need to work in this field like for the rest of my life. I think so many people get caught up in that mentality because probably because of fear, probably because of external pressure from like their families probably because of like internal pressure because you're just like, well, I spent all this money to get this degree. So if I don't use it, like, did I just waste however many years and however many dollars? Um, so how did you actually get past that? Yeah. So, I mean, what you're saying is exactly it, especially with student loan debt and how high that is. You want to justify that you have to do this career in order to pay that number off. Mm -hmm. And what interestingly enough, the way that I really let that go was finding the source of that belief for me. And I had very supportive parents in terms of they were my number one cheerleaders. So they were always the ones to say, like, you can do it. Lo puedes lograr. That was like our motto. Um, and that 
actually put more pressure on me to achieve that thing that I had on paper for them. Because with my parents and that cultural context of not really understanding what public relations and marketing really was, I had to almost validate it by way of titles, you know, like, oh, you don't really understand my industry, but you understand what directora, what director means, right? So like, I had to continue to validate it with titles. And then I realized like, you know, you can make your parents happy without having to validate these things. And then going even deeper, I realized that my mother, who I love and not by her fault, she was always someone who wanted to do something else, but never had she believed that she couldn't do it. She believed that America says you must work in a job to make money. So she was actually um, passionate about decorating. She would actually repurpose and upcycle antique furniture and sell it to friends and neighbors and never pursue that full time. And that stuck with me because I know that she wasn't super happy in the job she was in. So I thought, well, doesn't matter if you're unhappy, you have to do it. It's work. And that translated into just needing to continue to do this one linear defined path on paper. Um, but when I really dug deeper, and when I say dug deeper, I my way of doing it is journaling. You can also meditate on these things. You can even have conversations with your family and parents about these things. But I journaled until I couldn't ask myself more questions. I kept asking mm. myself, but why? But why did you think that? Going back to my college years, why did you think you had to study that? To, you know, it was kind of just digging, digging until you always end up in your childhood self some way. And that's that's where I landed and realized that it I, you know, I forgave my mother for putting those beliefs in my mind. And when I say forgave, it was just kind of I put that thought out there. I didn't really have that conversation with her. And then that allowed me to let that yeah that belief go and then move forward in a direction that was more aligned with what I was passionate about. And I am thankful that I went to school because I was the first in my um, family to actually graduate from a university. So that was a huge um, celebration for my family and a huge milestone. But I didn't need to be 100% connected to that one thing I studied. I take my college experience now as a family celebration and also a testament to the fact that I could commit to something, right? Like actually going to school and finishing, that's a commitment in itself. And that is yeah. a celebration now versus I have this title and I must match my career. I love that so much. And again, that story resonates so much with me because my parents both came to this country from Puerto Rico and they just got stuck in you know, the nine to five, like we just got to work for the sake of working to provide for our families. But I know there's things, my father's always talked about opening a restaurant. He's never done it partially because my mom has always just been like, we're not here for that. Like you just need to work. We'll mm -hmm. retire at 65. Stop like, stop disrupting the stability that we've built. And I think, you know, we can definitely fall down the rabbit hole of comfort and stability. And it actually ends up stifling us in ways that we never imagined. Yeah. So I would love to dive into your career trajectory. So you graduate, you start working. And at some point you're like, I'm ready to go out on my own and do this on my own. So can you walk us through what that process was like? For sure. So I studied public relations and leadership studies. And 
thankfully my program i went to florida state university gold knolls if anyone's <laughs> and the public relations program was very small it was a cohort of 30 people super difficult to get into which was like a whoa in itself and that program size allowed for us to start getting work experience while we were still in school so on my senior year so my last year of being in the program i already got a job as a junior account coordinator which is traditionally the first entry-level job in a public relations field when you graduate. So I had that one extra year of experience so that when I cap and gown left university, I was already almost at that second level. So thankfully, did have that advantage. I then worked in Tallahassee, Florida was where the agency was. I worked there for two years before formally leaving to Miami. I did have a stint in New York where I did an internship. I was working for Broadway doing publicity, which was a dream because I'm a total Broadway head and I love performance performance arts. But Me too. I, yeah, but then at the time I was like, well, I can't stay in New York because it's way too expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. you're making an intern salary of I think I had a stipend that was two hundred dollars a month, and then wow. I was working in retail at nights. I was like, no way can I afford living in New York City. So I was there for a full four month internship. And then I said, I'm gonna take my butt right back to Florida um, (laughs) happily. And I ended up saying that I'm gonna go work in Miami because Miami gave me the comfort of being able to be around my family and then continue to build my career. So I did that for a few years. And then finally, four years into my career, I decided to go to New York. I was working at Havas. um, And I actually have a funny story. Well, we have time. Um, yes. When I was applying for jobs to move to New York City, my dream agency, and I'm big on manifestation, was Ogilvy. And Ogilvy was known for being, you know, one of the f- founding fathers of advertising. And I wanted to work in some way at that agency. And give me one second. There is some noise in this house. <laughs> it's okay. We can edit that out. Yeah. I don't want you to get the background. Okay, so I wanted to work so badly at Ogilvy as an agency, and I actually applied for a job that would hopefully move me to New York City. And the job itself was actually not even a lateral move. It was almost a a step backward, but I wanted so badly to work at this agency, so I applied. I ended up getting a callback from the agency where they wanted to interview me, but I missed the phone call. And then upon missing the phone call, I tried so hard to reschedule and they just like couldn't make it work. And I was like, oh my God, I lost the opportunity to work at my dream agency. Mm. Pause that that manifestation. And then I ended up going to Havas and working there um, in 2016. It was actually an incredible experience. I worked there for almost three years and I kind of worked. That's where I started to really climb that corporate, that corporate PR and social media ladder. So when I say PR, I was doing campaigns for consumer products. So anything you can pretty much buy at a store, those are things I was creating campaigns around. Everything from sparkling water to healthy foods to campaigns um, for just thought leadership and nonprofit campaigns. I also did some work with social media, which eventually translated into influencer marketing. We were, it was kind of the first time that we started to pay influencers and I became really this expert in influencer marketing because I was the only one to be doing it at the time. And mm. I, at the same time, had my blog started. So I offered that perspective of being a creator and building campaigns. So that said, Havas really offered me that opportunity. They let me be more entrepreneurial 
in within my own capacity where I was able to build programs that had never been done. I was able to support them in building what the influencer capability looked like, meaning how does the agency even work with influencers? And that positioned me as this leader in the influencer marketing space. I was sitting on panels. I was doing a lot of that work at the same time, again, building my blog where I was a little bit of a lifestyle blog, but then also giving people influencer marketing advice, very kind of a messy blog, messy action. But those two things at the same time helped position me as this expert in influencer marketing, where then many, many years later, so now at the beginning of 2019, Ogilvy, the quote dream agency that I wanted to work for, called me and said, we see what you're doing and we actually wanna hire you as an influencer marketing specialist. So I was their director of influencer marketing, which wow. was an incredible experience. Again, like this manifestation that showed up in a totally different way, um, came to my doorstep. And at that time in 2019, I had already been thinking, I might wanna go off on my own because what I'm doing for the agency I'm at is building programs from scratch and kind of advising the agency how to even work with influencers. And I was already making money as an influencer. So I thought I could go off on my own. But when Ogilvy called, I said, I can't pass this up because I've always wanted to work for the agency anyway. And the position was in a sense entrepreneurial because it was new, not just for them, but it was new as a concept. Many agencies mm -hmm. weren't hiring people to strictly focus on influencer marketing because that industry was just recently growing. And now they were one of the first to say, we need to have experts in-house that are only doing influencer marketing. And that helped me continue to establish myself as an expert in this space. At the same time, I was also already, my side hustle was as a life coach and business coach. So what I was doing was a bunch of scattered work, right? I had the nine to five, but I had a side hustle as a coach. I had a side hustle as a creator. And I also had a side hustle consulting people on how to do social media. So mm -hmm. all things combined became very messy for me, actually. So I had to figure out how do I step away or consolidate all these things I'm doing into my own business? And that was a really difficult question that took getting to a lot of clarity. Um, it wasn't so much the financial fear of leaving my nine to five, and I'll give you a little philosophy on that, but it was really having the clarity to see that path forward. <clears throat> That's really what I was missing. And what ended up happening is through actually working with a business coach, that was the first time that I was able to get a little bit of clarity and realize that I am an influencer marketing expert. Now, how can I be both an expert for brands who need me as a consultant and an expert for creators who need me as their educator and as their mentor? And being a coach, I then decided, well, why not focus on business coaching for influencers? Hadn't been mm. seen people do this before. Aside from being talent managers, a lot of people weren't helping influencers. And in the beginning of 2020, I made the decision. I told Ogilvy, it is time. I am going off on my own. And actually, they were very supportive where I was still able to work for them and build campaigns for them, but now as a freelancer and as a consultant for them. And that transition is something that I also recommend to people because I know it may be scary to completely leave your nine to five cold turkey the next day, but perhaps have a conversation where you can be part-time or where you can still be a consultant for them if you're in a service industry where you can provide 
provide some sort of expertise for them. But just mm-hmm. really finding a way to transition easy, I think Ogilvy definitely helped me by doing that. And then I started to, on the back end, develop what does it look like to coach influencers? How do I even meet clients? And a lot of that being, um, you know, having a social media presence, being more social media forward and having that social strategy background, I decided that I'm going to make my ideal client and my ideal follower creators, whether you're an aspiring creator, whether you are a established creator that just needs to level up your business and not just how you work with brands and getting sponsorships, but truly building a business, which is something that was missing. Influencers for so long have just been getting paid to work with brands. They create a photo, they move along, and that is not a sustainable way for you to scale and for you to build a business. So I started to really talk about that and start to attract that kind of audience. And I would say over the course of this year, so you know, about eight months deep, I have built that more established presence as an influencer coach. And I have worked with now dozens of influencers on their own businesses, also dozens of aspiring creators on how to build their own brand on social media, while still at the same time doing the consulting work for agencies where I'm able to tell them how to work with influencers. And now the way I position myself is like, I'm basically the bridge, right? If a brand, Mm -hmm. I've got you as a consultant, I can also provide, yes, sponsorships on my feed. If a creator needs me, I've got your back as a coach and as an educator. And I have built my first group coaching program launched in July, and it completely blew my expectation out of the water. It was a 12-week program where I'm teaching either aspiring or established creators how to solidify and, and build their brand further so they can both monetize by working with brands and launch some sort of digital offer. And that was really important to me because I'm very big on, you can't just show up and be, hey, I'm an influencer. You've got to build a brand around who you are, around who you want to serve. And those are the kind of people I want to teach. And that said, I feel like that really is the key to building a community, which is one of the most common questions. It's like, how do I even build a community? How do I get people engaged with me? And it's like, you really have to build a brand around yourself and then offer value and offer more of your personal story and really, you know, just all those things I feel like you can teach, but you also have to teach the confidence to show up online. I felt like a 12-week program, that structure gave me the time to coach people while also providing modules that give you all the tactical stuff. Like, I can show you how to use Instagram by you watching a video. I can't show you how to be confident. So I need to guide you. I need to talk to you. So this kind of a hybrid of both course and coaching um, was really, really special for me. And the first cohort completely sold out. I had a goal of 10 people and then had more people who wanted to be a part of it. So I squeezed in four extra people. We've got 14 students in the class. And um, I think that I will definitely continue to do more of these in the future. But this was, again, just really important to me. And then all this said, um, I was actually recently named a top 10 social media coach by Yahoo Finance, which is... Wow, congratulations. Thank you. So, so awesome because I didn't... Again, I've just been doing this because I'm passionate about it and I have fun and it's work that I want to do. And to be recognized just tells me, oh, you know, this is the stuff I can share with my parents who don't understand a single (laughs) thing about it. But I can just tell them... I know you don't get it, but look, I'm on the news. And they're like, yay, you must be paying your rent somehow. So that was really, really exciting. But um, that's pretty much the journey. You know, I was 
in the the nine to five, very literal, this is what I studied, this is what I do route. But when I allowed myself to be a little more entrepreneurial within my own means, which was within my own nine to five, I started to really figure out what it could be to work for myself or to work independently. And that helped me, I think, really translate over into the things that I'm doing now. That's amazing. Such an, a powerful story of really understanding your skill set and transforming them into something that serves not only you financially, but it also serves your passion. And you can tell by the content that you're creating and what you're doing in the world. Like I can see your passion for what you do and I can see your authenticity. And so one of the things that I get a lot of questions about as someone who's also been in the influencer space for about seven years now, a lot of people are kind of like, battling with imposter syndrome, you know, they're like, Oh, but like, who am I to be talking about stuff and like teaching people things? So did you ever have to deal with feeling like an imposter, especially like in an industry that you, like you said, you were basically breaking barriers as you went along and creating the space that didn't exist. So how do you deal with that? That is a great question. I like to say I am a recovering um, from imposter syndrome. <laughs> It is something that definitely was one of the big obstacles for my own business growth. The way that imposter syndrome showed up for me, and I didn't realize this until much later, was I felt the need to continue to get education and certification and work and take the courses and do a bunch of stuff instead of just taking action and starting to actually do the work. And I was doing this because I felt that I needed to validate everything that I was doing by titles and certifications. And I think that this was part, you know, this, this feeling of having to prove yourself because of the story that I carried and the narrative that I thought I had to continue to have, which was, if I can't prove it to my parents, if I can't prove the title to my parents, they have no idea what I'm doing. So mm -hmm. that was one part. And then second was being in social media, you're of course seeing what everyone is doing at all times. Even if we don't intentionally consume things to see what our competitors are doing, you just see it. Even the way that Instagram serves you ads, I get ads all the time for people doing things that are similar to me. So it's just constantly being um, pushed out with content that could make you fall into the imposter syndrome trap, where I felt like, well, if someone else already did something similar, I probably shouldn't be doing this because I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm not good enough. They did it first. And I always thought of myself as a confident person in a social setting, sure. But when it came to my career, uh, the imposter syndrome was something that paralyzed me sometimes with not moving forward. And I found that the way out for me was to continue to take action. I like to say that action builds confidence. And it was little tiny actions that just continued to prove to myself that, oh, I can do this. Or I just put out this random post with influencer tips and it totally blew up and it was so shareable. And I'm like, okay, like, so I can continue doing this. And even it's not just getting that feedback from your community, but just proving to yourself that, oh, that wasn't that scary. Putting myself <laughs> out there wasn't that bad. That helped me move away from imposter syndrome. I coupled that with really digging into my own personal story. And this is something that I make all my coaching clients do. It sounds simple. But the thing is, it's actually really hard for you to come to terms with. You have to write down your milestones, your challenges, what you learned from those things. Seriously, mm -hmm. like what did it feel to have that milestone? How did you wake up the next day from that one big moment in your life that you're remembering? Or how did you even pick yourself up from that bad moment that you're remembering? And all those things 
eventually you realize have some sort of connection to your business and some sort of connection to your expertise or the way you do things. And having confidence in my personal story continued to remind me that one, I am good enough because I have experiences that can validate why I want to do this. Not just the what, not just because I've had the title or the nine to five, but the experiences that I've had make me an entrepreneur and I am worthy of doing that. And then also having confidence that if that's your personal story, you cannot build the same business as someone else. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero else because they have a totally different personal story. So you you start to realize that your competitors can't even be your competitors because they're not you. And that's mm. super cheesy and woo-woo, but it is a fact. Some people will work with you because of who you are. There are a million or a thousand people doing exactly what you're doing. But if you you're the only one who's doing it with that experience and that personal story. So people will connect with you for that. Um, and even the way you show up on social media, I constantly remind people, you have to add a little bit of that personal story and personal element because it builds that relatability and that trust with who you want to work with. And then again, you continue to differentiate yourself from your competitors because you are showing up from a place that is totally ownable to you. And now you're setting yourself apart. So that helped my imposter syndrome go away, realizing one, I'm worthy, I'm good enough. I'm taking action to continue to reinforce that, but I know myself and I know my story and no one else has it. And if they don't want to work with me because someone else is offering something that they prefer, awesome. I'm glad that they found someone they want to work with, but the people who want to work with me are going to find me.
And I love that. That's such a powerful message. I think um, it speaks to this idea that, um, it, like you said, it doesn't matter how many other people are doing what you want to do. They cannot be you. You have to own your story. And I think a lot of people get afraid to be their authentic selves, especially online, because they might be subject to criticism. You know, putting yourself out there is scary. Mm-hmm. And so what advice do you have for like being able to deal with potential criticism that might come from being in this space? Yeah, this is an answer that I love to give, but I know people hate hearing. (laughs) The reality check um, is that there will always be someone who doesn't like what you're doing, even Mm. off social media. Someone who is, by way of your environment in your life, just totally dislikes what you're doing or doesn't like you as a person. It's not personal. It's because they have some sort of triggers that they don't like about you. So when I remind myself of that, I actually become more confident because I'm like, no matter what I do, someone out there just won't like it. And not to say that they're a hater, but it's not something that they're looking for. However, if I stopped myself from giving that message for that person, that person who needs to hear my message misses out. And I'm here to serve that person who needs to hear my message. So just knowing that the value and the weight of having someone who really loves what you're saying, and not just the inspirational stuff, but just the fun stuff or the stuff that just like is raw and vulnerable, that person out there that needs to hear it is waiting for that message. And how, but like, I would be so bummed out if that person didn't receive it because I was worried about that other Fulano who like doesn't care. (laughs) So I just remind myself every day of like who I'm serving and who I'm serving and the fact that the other people, it does not matter what opinion they have. And also realizing that on the flip side, people are are craving more vulnerability and more reality on social media. So if you can offer people that you are already a leg up, especially in the influencer world, there are so many influencers who either are plateauing or are just not doing so well right now because they're stuck in this cycle of having to talk only about themselves or showing off or having to create this fake lifestyle of I'm traveling here, I'm wearing this and nothing about who they are as a person. So if you Mm -hmm. show up in a place of vulnerability and just show up real and raw, you are already above the competition. So just continuing to know that that's what people need and remind yourself, remind yourself of that person who needs to hear your message because then you'll feel almost like this draw to say, I have to give them this message. Like they're waiting to hear it. I don't care about that person who doesn't care. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. That's such a powerful message. So your story sounds amazing, but I'm sure you have encountered some setbacks or failures throughout your journey as an entrepreneur. So I'm curious if you could share one of those. Yeah. One setback is more from a personal perspective, depending on how you see it, it could be a good thing or bad thing. But I, in 2018, told my debt story, talked about how I got out of debt. But the reality was that I got into debt because I was consumed by all the things I was seeing on social media. You know, all the influencers buying stuff, going on trips that I couldn't afford, but I just put it on a credit card and all these things kind of racked up. And I told this story to a journalist who formally interviewed me for the New York Post. And if we know the New York Post, they love a good clickbait headline. Um, (laughs) So the headline said how my how wanting to be an influencer threw me into financial ruin headline became 
made the viral made the article go entirely viral. Daily Mail picked it up next, and Daily Mail pulled all my photos from the last three years, which again, the story was how I got out of debt, but they made it look like the thing I did a week ago was a lavish experience that put me back into debt. So oh, wow. it became super confusing um, and it went viral worldwide. I would say for about a week, everyone was talking about this story. And I did end up getting a lot of people coming to my page then being really angry with me. It was so bizarre because the headline was also about how I was $10,000 in credit card debt. Truthfully, $10,000 is not that much when you look at the average of how much people are in debt. I know you know the debt stories of many people. Mm -hmm. probably, people are many numbers into debt. So that was really confusing to me on like why that even went viral. But the, the catch was it was this influencer story. So people at the time in 2018 were so thirsty to prove that influencer marketing was fake and we're all frauds and everything is not real. So this story turned into how influencers are totally fake and everything you see online is fake, fake, fake. When my platform was all about authenticity. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I had this like freak out moment. Um, and I got a lot of cyberbullying during this time. And I'll, again, I'm a very confident and strong person, but I cracked. I mean, there was one night where I was bawling for hours, especially because my parents, again, not understanding what social media really does or is, they're seeing me all over. I'm talking worldwide headlines where parents from, you know, their family members from Ecuador are saying like, well, what's wrong with your daughter? My family in Spain was like, are you okay? Are you living on the streets? It was so oh my God. So this whole thing, you know, any entrepreneur would love to go viral because they're like, exposure. But this exposure was quite negative, I think, to myself as a brand. So I had to spend the next few months really rebranding or reinforcing what my brand was on social media. And also then I started to become a little bit confused. I started to lose any clarity that I had because I thought I even got an influx of followers. I would say about 10,000 followers showed up who are now looking for money advice. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I just got out of debt. Like, I can't tell you how to get out of, you know, I, I became really confused. Like, do I talk about money now? Am I now a money platform? And then having to use my, as many connections as I had with like PR, right? So working with journalists to then replant my story of, hey, here's how I got out of debt or here's how to be a more authentic influencer. And it worked in the end because I really had to sit down and craft a whole new narrative for myself. I ended up, for example, going on Good Morning America and I talked about how I got out of debt and why you should show up authentically online. Like that is the dream. That is exactly right. what I wanted. So having more of those stories where I was talking about yeah, I told my debt story because I wanted to prove that being authentic online builds more community and builds more conversation than it did, right? It built a viral conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. But that period of time where I was viral was the scariest, most awful period ever. And every single person who knew me in my life, who I went to high school with, elementary school with, started showing up. And everyone's like, are you okay? Like, they didn't even read the full article that says, here's her tips and tricks on how she, no, no. Everyone just reads the headline, the intro, and they're over it. And it was just an awful time to go viral. Um, Isn't that so symbolic of just like society in general? They just look at the clickbait and they don't actually like read the details because I'm sure, was the story written in a way that like 
spun the whole thing negatively and was just like, look at this ridiculous influencer getting herself into debt? Or was the story actually like substantive? It was a little bit spinned. I will yeah. say it was 70%. Here's all the things that got her into debt. And what's funny mm. is in the interview, you know, and this happens again, ca- caution tale. When you interview with journalists, you've really got to know who you're talking to. And I yeah. give as little information as possible on the being an influencer, getting me into debt part, because I was like, well, I wasn't trying to be an influencer. I was just shopping because I kept seeing influencers go on trips and I had no idea what points were. So I paid a $700 ticket to like Texas. So really like explaining how I just was like a very uneducated young millennial going to brunch every day that put me <laughs> into debt. And that coupled with when I came to New York, you know, I gave them that whole experience of my wake up call. They then, you know, the article ends with, thankfully now she's out of debt. Um, and what she does is she uses Rent the Runway and started a savings account. Um, if you would like more information, please, you know, it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> they so, really dumbed down your accomplishments, like, yeah, drastically. Well, so then, but I had to then reach out to new journalists. Um, Business Insider was one that actually wrote an article about how I got out of debt, which was really great. They, of course, the the intro and the hook is this influencer spending, right? Like we want, they want to talk about that. So let's talk about it, but let's talk about how, not just like how to get out of debt, but the issue, which is we are not being our authentic selves online. A lot of what we see is not transparent enough and it makes people overspend. This happened to me. I got out of debt and now I actually have a business based off of social media. Cause at the time I was already working with brands and we talked about those three kind of elements um, and funny enough, Business Insider also had to verify my bank account to make sure I was out of debt, which was awesome because <laughs> I was like, in case you think I'm still in debt, this article proves like I literally don't have any credit card debt. So that was really exciting. But I had to reestablish myself, work with new journalists and really just have a whole PR moment. <laughs> to, wow. Yeah. That's a really important lesson. And like you said, being careful about who you talk to, put in, putting who you put your information, uh, you know, whose hands you put your information in, which is something that I feel like a lot of people don't think about, especially if they're like new influencers and they just want press. It's like not all press is good press. Like you need to do your due diligence because um, just going viral for the sake of exposure is not a vibe if it's going to just lead to you being stereotyped in a way that doesn't actually fit what you're trying to portray in the world. Yeah, you get stereotyped and the followers that you attract are not the community you want to have. Mm-hmm. And that also, again, added to that confusion of, I got so many followers interested in money, but three months from now when they don't see me posting, you know, like your page is a beautiful resource for money and financial tips. If they're not seeing that they're out or they're not engaging because now they're just a number that is contributing to me having no engagement. Um, Really talking about that. But the good thing is I did find more purpose in talking about my money limiting beliefs. And as at that point, moving into more of the life coaching space and I started to explore that, I realized that helping people with their money mindset was very important through my personal story, but I am not your financial advisor. So the way that I positioned myself was like, I'm your money BFF, right? So like, I'll talk to you about money, but I'm not going to tell you like the tangible things you need to go take to the bank account. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but that, that, that rebranding was really fun. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, everything serves its purpose, even if you don't understand why it's happening at, at that specific time. So one of the things that you talk about a lot is authenticity. And as innate as it sounds like being your authentic self, I don't think a lot of people really understand what that means. Can you talk us through what authenticity looks like, especially in an influencer space? Yeah. And what a buzzword. I feel like that's the, the, the last few years buzzword of being an influencer. Be authentic. Mm-hmm. And every influencer will tell you like the number one secret is to be authentic. But what that really means is coming to terms with your own personal story and speaking from that place and not being afraid to talk about the milestones and the challenges, because those are the things that people connect and relate to. It shows that you are not just curating your presence online. You're not just putting out the things that are the highlight reels. You're also talking about just your life. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we also think not just maybe being afraid of showing up as you and from a place of your personal story, but a lot of us think we're not interesting. That is one of the Mm. things I hear the most. From people who are confident, they're just like, well, I mean, kind of boring. And I'm like, so is everyone else. Like, we're all boring. (laughs) (laughs) we want to hear that you know we want you to tell us how like you are kind of boring um so it's really just like showing up from whatever whatever you would tell your friend that your best friend who's sitting next to you if you can tell people that online and i'm not just talking about revealing all your private life but just the way you speak and the way you come across that is being your authentic self it's that it is that simple you just show up as who you are in front of your friends in front of your family and you start to build that community and again that helps people connect with you because then you're not just some like graphic on instagram floating in space or a pretty photo you're a real person and people Mm. want to see that and it's also okay if you are an influencer or a creator who likes to curate right maybe you're a creative For example, for me, I love taking photos. So I will always have a high resolution photo that looks staged or posed, but that's because I love photography. That is okay. But then I always remind people, maybe it's through my Instagram stories or in the way that I communicate with them. Like I'm also just a totally real human with frizzy hair and no filter Uh, (laughs) because I just want to remind people that I'm passionate about those things you see. And when I work with brands, I am a marketer. So I want to make beautiful curated photos for the brand but I also like really like this product. So let me just tell you about it face to face on stories. So it's having that balance of doing what you like to do and curating the way that you want to have being as strategic as you want to be, because at the end of the day, you're building businesses, but also showing up as yourself. Love that advice. So you've been able to amass almost 50,000 followers on Instagram. And I'm sure there's a ton of people that ask you, how do I do the same thing? How do I build an audience? So what advice do you have for them? Number one, um, again, go back to your personal story because I fee- I find that the first thing people are thinking of is what category do I put myself into? Am I a lifestyle blogger? Am I a this blogger, food blogger? And at the end of the day, you are, you are not, those are like the content pieces that you might create, but you need to figure out who you are as a personal brand. And if you have no marketing experience, just go back to your personal story and start to find the connecting dots. What are the patterns? When you go back to the things you like to talk about, ask yourself, well, why do I like to talk about style? 
Why do I like to talk about food? Whatever it is for you, ask yourself the why do you care um, to then start to figure out maybe what's the deeper purpose behind that. For example, if you love talking about fashion or affordable fashion, like why did that really matter to you? And what problem did that solve in your life? And once you start to behind the scenes answer that question, you're developing a personal brand. Second piece to that that's really, really important when you, when you kind of already know a little bit about who you are as a, as a person and your story, you have to figure out who is your ideal audience member. And your ideal audience member is important because we're not just creating content that we love. We also have to create content that has value. But value is only determined by the person on the other side of the screen. So you have to figure out who's the judge, right, that you care about, who's the person mm -hmm. that's gonna say, is this valuable for me or not? And then those two things combined with you as a personal brand and figuring out who your ideal follower is will really set you up. That's kind of like the starting point to you creating content because you're going to figure out, oh, I really want to talk about fashion because it's important to like what I love. And I kind of figured out like why I care. But that person on the other side of the screen, the affordable fashion tips, they need that because they actually don't have time. It's not even a financial thing for them. It's just like they don't really have time to shop. So they'd rather just do it all at once. So I'm really solving this like time problem for them. So maybe I'm talking to busy millennials, busy millennial women, and you really start to get deeper and deeper. Um, I, I, one thing I teach my students and people I work with one-on-one, -on -one, I have like 30 questions to ask about your ideal follower and who you are as a brand. And you can honestly ask yourself those questions. It's always just like, why? Why do they care? What, what more? And you're really just like getting deeper and deeper into those two things. It does not matter what camera you have. It does not matter what content looks like. But if you know who you are as a brand and you know who your ideal follower is, you have solved so many of your problems because everything else starts to build itself out. Mm. Great advice. I have one last question for you and I get this question so much and I'm curious to take to get your take on it. How do you actually start pricing your services as an influencer? Ooh, yes. Frequently asked question. Mm-hmm. There, so I actually have a rate formula that I have on social media if you want to have more of a visual, but there's a few elements. So you actually have to consider three spaces. One, the time it takes for you to create that content. No matter how big you are, the time that it takes to create that content is something you need to charge for. And when I say charge, compensation can look differently for you at different levels. I'll get to that piece, but you need to figure out what investment of my day will be had and how do I want to price myself for that? The way you price yourself is de dependent on the expertise level you have. So for example, if you're just a beginner and someone is asking you to create content, content might take you two hours to create, but you literally have no idea what you're doing. You're using your iPhone, which is totally fine then you might price yourself at something more of like a 15 to $20 an hour versus $200 an hour. You've been doing this for years and decades and you have a master's. Um, so that is kind of like something that you really have to determine for yourself in terms of the dollar amount, but you have to consider the time that it will take. Part two is the deliverables. So what are people actually asking you to do? This is where my rate formula kind of helps, but all the, how I like people to start is figure out what platform they're asking you to be on. And then an easy baseline is your follower count divided by a hundred 
is like a beginner's base. Base means like you will not take anything less than that. But a more expert's baseline could be your follower count divided by 50 or 25. Again, you're just really like increasing the expertise level, right? Um, then other than that, not just the content they want you to create, but every campaign will have exclusivity, meaning they want you to avoid working with competitors. Every single campaign has it, whether it's exclusivity for 24 hours or exclusivity for a year. And then you actually have to price yourself, add more um, to not just the content you're creating, but now you are not able to work with competitors for a period of time. So you have to add some money in there for yourself because you're missing out on business opportunities. The other piece to that, to the deliverables, every campaign will have usage rights. So the reason why I say these things in these very clear words is because you can literally, this is something you have to ask when you're working with brands. Like, what deliverables do you need from me? What's the exclusivity? And what are the rights you want to my content? Because they might just want to repost it on social media, or they might want to own your content forever, or they might want to have the rights to put it in a TV ad. That is something you need to be charging a lot more money for. I'm talking thousands because think about how much they would pay an, an agency to create this, you know? Mm -hmm. so you really have to, when you're pricing yourself, add up. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. All these elements. So it's, it's difficult to kind of give you all these math numbers off top of head because I am not a math person. Calculator sits with me. But we've talked about, again, the time it takes to create the actual campaign itself. And those three elements are very important of deliverables, exclusivity, and usage. And then the last element is really your expertise. So I can't even answer that with a dollar amount because it is something that you learn over time. Something that I uh, actually did was when I, you know, put these numbers together, I wrote down line items, right? Time it takes, deliverables, exclusivity, usage. And I had this number, right, that I was so used to giving. I just started to increase my number with every campaign. That was kind of mm -hmm. that that variable of my worth, I just started to ask for more money. One time I doubled it and people said, yes, great. That's my new rate. And then the next time I double it again. And now I realize that, you know, it's difficult sometimes for us to know our worth off top of mind, but it does take practice as a business over as a business owner over time. And once you can get those tactical things in of a formula the thing I can't explain to you is how much you truly are worth. So my recommendation, if you have a little bit of fear or you're still a little bit afraid of asking for more money is when in doubt, double it. And then if they say yes, it, it truly like if they say yes, that's your new rate. If they say no, can we meet halfway? The halfway is not your new rate. So, you know, really working that out over time. 
Yeah, that's such great advice. And you can tie it back to salary negotiation at a job, right? You never want to come out with the first number. You want to find out what their budget is and work from there. Exactly. And that's something too that I recommend um, a lot of influencers or creators, or especially beginners, they get a lot of asks to quote work for free, right? And mm. so I get a question of, well, how do I turn it into money? And just bring up the conversation, just right back, you know, hey, you know, um, what budget did you have in mind for the things you're asking for? Let's talk about it and start to have a conversation about money with the brand. The ones who don't want to pay you will say, sorry, we can't pay you. And then you decide, is it even worth doing this or not? And the ones who will pay you will now start talking to you about money. And that's how you get more comfortable asking for more as well. Absolutely. It is a muscle that you have to train just like everything else. <laughs> yeah. That's what I don't say enough. It's like the money mindset stuff. It's a muscle. It's a workout. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So speaking of mindset, and since you are so into manifestation, I'm curious if you have a money mantra and if you would share it with us. I do. It's actually in Spanish. It's lo puedo lograr. And the reason for that is that I believe that I attract money when I, when my confidence and my self-worth is at 100%. And it's not always at 100%. So I have to repeat myself this mantra every single day, lo puedo lograr, which means, yes, I can achieve this so that I drop the imposter syndrome and start to attract the people who need to be my clients. Um, the other thing that it's not even a money mantra, but I have a money activity. Speaking of muscle, I have a daily money workout. I literally put on a money playlist on Spotify. <laughs> is one of the songs, by the way. Hey. And I just shake it to money. I just put a song on and dance around my living room, like literally shaking my butt to whatever money song pops up in my playlist of the day. And it makes me actually put in inject more joy into money because I grew up with seeing money as like this evil thing you know and by dancing around every day to a money song it makes me be more happy with money more comfortable with money and it sounds so silly but once you do it you start to really see you feel like a money magnet because you're like I'm kind of shaking it for you and the money is dripping in right <laughs> so that is uh two things I do so repeating that mantra but also just dancing I love that advice. Lisa, this conversation has been amazing. So I just want, if you could share, um, where can we find out more about you and follow your journey? Thank you. It has been so amazing too. I'm so thankful also for what you do for everyone on social media because your advice is so, first of all, valuable, but then also important, especially as a Latina. I so love and respect you. So thank you for having me. Thank uh, you. Yeah. And you can find me at Lisette Calve. So my name shortened um, everywhere. I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok. And I talk about influencer marketing, advice for creators, but then also sometimes my money journey and my business journey as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. I love this episode. I hope you did too. I think it's so important for you to think about how you can transfer your nine to five skills to launch your own business. And it doesn't have to be a full on, I'm going to quit my job and just YOLO type of situation. You can literally use the skills that you're learning right now in your nine to five to start a side hustle. And who knows, it could turn into something that is beyond your wildest dreams, but don't sell yourself short. When you think of the word business, a lot of people get caught up in like this whole idea, oh my God, I'm starting a corporation, I gotta have employees, I gotta do the whole thing. 
Now, girl, a business can be a solopreneur type situation that lets you use your skills to monetize what you're good at and do something that you're passionate about. So hope that gets your wheels turning. I hope that it inspires you to think a little bit outside the box. And definitely, if you're loving this podcast, if you're loving this episode, please make sure to share, rate, review, and subscribe. As a reminder, if you're loving the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. That way, amazing listeners like you can find us too. We want everybody out here being poderosa with their money. And so if they know about us, they can start doing that too. If you don't already follow us on social media, make sure that you follow the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and even TikTok. Yep, we're doing TikToks too. And don't forget to visit the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast blog where you can find episode show notes as well as personal finance articles, news about events, and more. Until next time, guys, stay inspired, stay confident, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.